Hi, I'm Michelle Bedos, and you guys are listening to Coffee and Valkyries. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Valkyries. I'm Jacob, and finally back, the better host of this podcast is Susie. Susie, welcome back. Well, th- that is a lie, but thank you so much. How was France? You survived the heat. I survived the heat. It was a total blast. It was, um, I mean, incredible to see the U.S. win in the final. Uh, but also, I just thought France was a, a, a fantastic host. And, um, you know, to be honest, it was it was kind of a weird feeling, just given how people think about our country, about the U.S. right now, to go into another country. And I'm not kidding you, Jacob. When I walked off the train and got in Lyon, it was like I was surrounded by USA jerseys. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, this is like we're taking over. And please don't embarrass us. (laughs) And then when we were on the tram to get out to the stadium for the semifinal match, the people on the tram started to chant, USA, USA. And I was just like, please don't, please don't. Um, but it it was such, like, everyone in Lyon was so friendly and so welcoming. And it was just a really great atmosphere and incredible experience overall. Nice. Can you put into words what it was like to witness uh, the United States repeat as champions? Because, I mean, you, were, you've seen, you saw them win it in 1999 in the Rose Bowl. You then saw them win it in 2015 over in Vancouver. And then... You got to see them uh, repeat as champions and get that fourth star for the United States. Oh man, to put it in words, I think it it um, it was like different to process this year because I mean the final in 2015 felt a little too easy because the U.S. just came out so hard against Japan from the beginning. But this tournament, it just seemed like it was the U. It was the U.S. Women's National Team to to lose it was like they just kind of kept getting results and it was just almost felt easy even though I know it wasn't right um but so when when like the final whistle blew I'm not sure I'm numb is maybe a word to describe it which is a little bit weird um but it was like taking it all in it just took me a little bit longer to process and then as everyone heard on tv hearing people start to chant equal pay in the stadium and hearing that get momentum. Mm -hmm. um, That's when it kind of clicked to me that this was like bigger than soccer. And this moment, like it had so much weight and that was, and I, and we were all, everyone watching, everyone um, who's tuned in at some point during the world cup was a part of it. And that's just so cool. Yeah. And you actually have uh, put it, put the victory into words because you did pen a beautiful article about how the win was more than just the win on the field and for the United States to uh, repeat as champions. It, it was a win for women, you know, all in all in terms of empowering uh, themselves, realizing their own, their own self-worth and using it to, you know, to say, Hey, I, I deserve my place in the, I deserve to get mine basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been cool to see the reaction from that, which 
um, has obviously been divided and there's been a lot of neutrals that all of a sudden are super interested in women's soccer, which is interesting, but, uh, but on the flip side, just so many more people throwing their support and saying like, it's no longer a question to them. If the women deserve this, it's like, just show them the money, just give them the money. Yeah. And we have seen, uh, we're, we're starting to see some of that money arriving because I think yeah. it, was, it was hilarious to us back in the United States being on whatever time zone you were, but the NWB saw it out and says, oh yeah, they've uh, uh, secured a sponsorship <laughs> deal with Budweiser and like it was dropped at like 2 a.m. East Coast time because yeah. that's the perfect time to drop any sort of news like that. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, hey, money is money and Budweiser has a lot of money. So it's really fascinating to see what that's going to be like going forward for the NWSL because it's one thing to say yeah they're gonna I think it's they extended this relationship to just beyond to to beyond the United States national team players that had think you know like separate deals with Budweiser so it'll be interesting to see how much it's going to be to put a spotlight on the players in the league that aren't part of the U.S. national team or you know your, you know, your other tier of players that are just as damn good in the NWSL and can hang with any squad in the world, but, you know, don't have the U.S. national team spotlight. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I remember one of the things they announced in the press release too was like um, launching initiatives to help some of the players in the league with like uh, business training courses in the off season. Um, I had sent a couple follow-up questions to the PR firm that had sent me that email, as well as the contact, that, you know, when I said for further inquiries or information, contact this person at Budweiser. Uh-huh. I hadn't heard back from any of the email addresses that I tied it to, but it was like just follow-up questions like, what are, what do those initiatives mean in terms of like business training? Does that mean like they're going to help somebody get, education and you know exams to acquire a business license for you know whatever their side hustle is in the off season because we know a lot of NWSL players have a side business going yeah. on so you know it'd be something just a little more more info on something like that would be uh great to see I don't know maybe we will get such info uh, down the line but it's you know hey Say what you want about Budweiser, but they put their money where their mouth is and they're sponsoring the NWSL. Yeah, uh, sponsoring it, continuing to tweet about it. Um, It wasn't just, uh, we're going to throw our money behind it. We're going to keep asking people to watch. So um, it'll be, I'm hopeful that we'll see that um, kind of engagement beyond just money over the next few years. Yeah, and they came up with a far better hashtag uh, than previous endeavors um yes is it a uh, hashtag won't stop watching exactly yeah. yep that is awesome better than pass the ball for sure mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so anyways um for those that are listening keep in mind that we are recording right now while the portland thorns are playing uh houston dash right now and right now portland has a two two goal lead on houston dash uh in about the 18th 19th minute um, I think it's kind of safe to say they're going to cruise to a pretty convincing win unless something really wild happens uh, over the course of our recording. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. Portland playing at home in front of 20,000 people, already up to nothing. Um, 
not thinking that's going to change too much. Oh, yeah, and Portland has just been awarded a penalty. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> there, there it goes. And Christine Sinclair has uh, claimed her third goal. Well, there you go. Jane yeah. Campbell didn't stop one. Yeah. But uh, earlier in uh, this evening, we did, or at least uh, most of you, or some people had saw Washington Spirit go to Sky Blue FC and get a one-goal victory there courtesy of Ashley Hatch. But it sounds like a, a good turnout for the crowd because uh, the list announced attendance for your sack field for Sky Blue is 5,000. That, that's so fantastic. I know they um, have, have tried to make some real significant changes this year. Um, obviously, Sky Blue has a long way to go still, but yeah. it's, it's really cool to see them getting yeah. that many people. Yeah, and then they were in the news throughout the course of the day before the match even played because uh, <laughs> their general manager, at least Lahir, basically said, yeah, we're leaving uh, your sack after the season because Rutgers won't let us sell beer. And what did she do? She literally bought cases and cases and cases of beer to give to fans um, while they were tailgating in the parking lot, which is pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, and... And when she posted a picture of her shopping cart loaded with beer, I don't know if you saw it, but one of those beers was Shock Top, a Budweiser beer. So way to stay on the on the good side of the sponsors. Yeah, awesome. Have you ever had a Shock Top before? No, I haven't. I'm not, I have to admit that I'm not a big fan of beer, mm. um, which is kind of weird, I think, to most people. But um, I will... We'll try anything associated with Budweiser right now to to support them. So. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing. I think um, like the first the week uh, one of our colleagues in Chicago uh, came back from uh, a month long duty of uh, covering the World Cup. <laughs> they posted a picture of them holding a bottle of Budweiser in front of their TV. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Rain FC were on a bye last week. And despite that, they were still pretty active in bringing in a couple players. Um, was fun for us to have to type up something over the course of that bye week. Yeah, we're like, oh, quiet week. We'll yeah. take a take a little breather. Yeah. You, you can catch up on uh, on work emails and just general life after spending some time in France. But then, no, you know, Rain FC make a trade and a couple signings. Yeah, it was a busy, busy two days. Um, let's see if we can remember all of them. There was on, on Monday, uh -huh. they traded Elise Kellen Knight, sent her to the Washington Spirit in exchange for Sammy Joe Prudhomme, uh, backup goalkeeper that they've needed since they also announced that Lydia Williams would be on the 45-day mm -hmm. disabled list to get ankle surgery or foot surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, and also at that time on the same day, they signed two players who were former Washington spirit draft picks or mm -hmm. players, Skylar Debris, who was signed last year, um, but never officially played with the spirit. And I think a lot of people who have been paying attention to her college career were pretty shocked by that because she was, um, lots of youth national team call-ups and felt like, um, a center back who could have slotted in pretty easily as depth for the spirit last year, but instead went to Europe and now is back with the rain. 
yeah. as is Rebecca Quinn, a Canadian international who folks have probably seen um, play. She's represented. Um, she got she got to play this World Cup and played for a season where she was a solid part of the back line for the Spirit, but I think will be even better under Vladko. Mm -hmm. That and was day one. Yeah, day one. Oh, uh, no, wait. Weren't the debris uh, and Quinn signings on uh, day two of the bye week? Oh, maybe. Do I have it backwards? I know those yeah. were day one. And then they also. No, no, no. Day one was the Kellenite uh, Prudhomme trade, but then they also promoted um, Addison Steiner and Steph Cox to senior roster spots for the rest of the season. Right. And announced one new signing. Yeah. Oh uh, no, that was that was on Tuesday, along yeah. with the uh, Quinn and Debris signings. Yeah, they signed Rosie White as well. Yeah, yeah. And was, all, and we're doing the mental math here, along with probably everyone else. Going, wait, they just signed two international players. They sent one international player to the Spirit. Uh -huh. How the heck is that working out? Um, and we were able to get confirmation and it. it's something that we've known has been in the works for a while that they were able to get a green green card for Rumi Utsugi. So yeah. she no longer counts as an international player. Yeah. So basically I was not exaggerating when, uh, if you've read uh, my State of Rain FC piece that dropped uh, this morning on Sunday at Heart, when I had a little session and said, Here, here's where the club stands by the numbers, I just put down a line for transactions, uh, player transactions for the season. I just put lots. Yeah, let's let's not <laughs> let's not try to count them. I mean, I have actually done a rough count, and it's for something for another piece like down the line that you know that I'm I've started to work on. But there is a actual number close to uh, tied to how many roster moves Rain FC have made since the start of the end of last season in 2018, and it's pretty shocking yeah it's a large number yeah but yeah um they've been very active uh even when we thought that they weren't going to really be doing anything other than just relaxing and having um some of the more manageable injuries heal during the bye week and uh it's going to be really interesting to see uh what these uh new newest faces to the team this season can uh bring on on the field because we've already seen the new faces that were brought in at the start of the season at training camp and then over the course you know a month two months into the season they've they've been producing um on the field and you know you and i have talked about like it's that black hole magic again he can seems to pick a player from you know obscurity really and unlocks uh their potential looking uh if he on omanu and bethany balser yeah yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how these new players um, jump back in. And one thing that's been interesting to see across the league is since the players have returned from the World Cup, it really felt like it took a couple games for those who have had a couple games to like, they're, they went and played for their country who plays a much different style of play and asks something totally different from, from them. And they've been with them for a month, two months, and now are are trying to reintegrate with a team that's been together for the last two months. Um, and it's been, you can see that things didn't quite gel right away where I think people have all these high hopes of national team players coming back and it's just like seamless. So um, it'll be interesting just to see how that happens with the rain. It, 
um, Blacko sets a really clear vision for them. So I actually don't think it'll be as noticeable as other teams. Yeah. Something I did notice about uh, Debris was that she was actually part of the US U23 team that was part of the Portland Thorn Spring Invitational uh, yep. tournament. So she did, there was actually on her Instagram page, there's a good photo of her basically against Rapino in a 1v1. Yeah, she was not the one that kicked Ali Long in the leg. <laughs> yeah. It got yelled at by Pino, but. <laughs> um, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but after the break, you're going to listen to an interview that we did with another Rain FC player. This time we have goalkeeper Michelle Bedos, and she's going to talk about her recovery from her torn Achilles injury. So after the break, uh, you'll listen to that. So Susie and I are here with Rain FC goalkeeper Michelle Bedos. Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So uh, first and foremost, Obviously, a lot of uh, Rain FC fans want to know, Michelle, how are you doing with the uh, rehab and recovery from your Achilles injury? Um, I appreciate that. I'm doing very, very well, actually. Um, I actually found out yesterday when I was in PT that I'm a month, two and a month and a half ahead of protocol, uh, just in, in terms of return and things like that. And honestly, I'm feeling better and stronger every day. And yeah, I... I hate to be injured, but I think it's going as well as it can. One thing we have noticed um, is that you've been doing a lot of pretty interesting exercises that you've been sharing on social media. I'm curious, I have never had anything happen to my Achilles. What are some of the things that you focus on when you're, when you're rehabbing, something like that? Well, the biggest thing for me from the day I got hurt was just figuring out, okay, I obviously understand there are things I can't do right now, but what can I do? You know, and luckily as a goalkeeper, I have to obviously use my feet, but I have to use my hands. So, you know, one of the things that immediately came to mind was that I can work on my hand speed. I can work on my set shape. I can, you know, work on reaction stuff, handling stuff. Um, so there ends up being, you know, core stability, strength. I mean, there's just so many things that you can do. And I think that's been my saving grace through all this is finding new ways to improve. So yeah, some of those videos have just been some side <laughs> coordination stuff. And honestly, Rocky, our goalkeeper coach is a godsend. Um, he's found ways to challenge me and develop me as a goalkeeper while I'm on my knees half the time. So it's been amazing. We've been out probably over an hour every morning before training, um, just progressing through stuff. And yeah, I've just been so grateful for that work because I can actually feel myself getting better. And during a time like this, that's been so valuable to me, like mentally and physically. One of the videos uh, that we've seen was one that was shared by Morgan Andrews, where you had two balls in each of your hands. I think with like your left hand, you were bouncing it straight up with your right hand. You were throwing the ball uh, against like a, a spring or like a small little trampoline so it was come right, coming right back at you but you were also wearing an eye patch yes <laughs> yeah um that little rebounder thing when rocky isn't around or you know when i'm trying to get extra work has definitely become my best friend um yeah so that at that point i was actually working on one of my old goalkeeper coaches talked about how everyone has a weak eye and when you can like train your eye strength, like it just obviously helps as a goalkeeper reading mm. a shot, reading the ball. So uh, yeah, I have an eye patch on one of my eyes and then yeah, I'm tossing two tennis balls up, throwing a soccer ball, catching the tennis balls, catching the soccer ball. And 
she happened to catch me on one of my better reps, to be honest. <laughs> Some of this stuff is is very, very humbling, but it's actually fun because I've actually like seen growth and been able to get better at it. But yeah, it is it is interesting. So I was humbled watching it. I <laughs> thought there's no way I could do that, certainly, but you made it look really easy. So nice to hear maybe it was one of your better ones and you're a human. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's one of those Instagram versus reality moments for sure. <laughs> so you said that uh, you had just uh, had a checkup with your physical therapist and they told you that you were, you were a month ahead of, uh, of protocol. Uh, what was your initial reaction to that? Was it like, was it like the fiery competitor and you're thinking I'm only just a month ahead? I thought I'd be, you know, further, further along. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, it's so funny because when I was on the field and I got hurt, you know, I'm on the sideline with the team doc and he gave me an estimated timeline and I decided then, then and there that that was absolutely just not true. And, you know, I really don't know anything about an Achilles rupture or anything like that. You know, I had no prior knowledge or anything, but I just know myself and I know my body and I just never believed that was true. And I just feel like honestly, every step of the way I have found that, yeah, that's not going to be true. Um, so yeah, so a month protocol, I mean, the protocols are all so interesting and stuff and yeah, everybody has different theories, but I'm, I'm just in a very, very good place and I can feel myself progressing every day. And that's just, you know, what I'm trying to attack and, uh, yeah, just like attach to because, I'll be ready when I'm ready, but I know that every single day I'm doing every single thing I can. And I a hundred percent believe I'm going to actually come back better and stronger from this. What do you remember about the moment when you uh, did get hurt? Like, did you feel like something pop or was it just, it just felt like, cause from what we saw on the broadcast, it just looks like you kind of just took a weird step as if like, Oh, there might've been like a random rock or something on that one particular spot. What do, you, what do you remember about that exact moment and then when they were telling you, oh, you know, it's your Achilles? Yeah, it was the the craziest thing for me because I dove, you know, very, very standardly, you know, <laughs> that I've done a thousand times. And when I went to push, I heard a pop, but I never once considered it was my body. Um, and then simultaneously, I felt like something hit me in the back of the calf, like not pain, but honestly, at the time I thought, and I, I feel a little guilty about this, but I thought one of the ball girls threw a ball at me and it was bad. So if you literally, if you watch the clip again, like I look back mm -hmm. and I'm about to yell at a little kid almost like, why are you throwing a ball at me? And then when there was no kid or human around, that's when I was like, okay, what just happened? What was that? But then I had the ball in my hands and I went to get up and I kind of was like, okay, I'm fine. And then as soon as I put my foot down, I just remember it almost like being detached from my body, but I had no pain. I had no, I just like couldn't process it because it wasn't working correctly. So mm -hmm. my first thought was just like, okay, how do I make this work? Because I'm not in pain. So like, I just need my foot to work. And then, yeah. And then it just like, I kind of honestly all kind of blurs, but I just remember looking at Lou and her yelling, Mish, play the ball. Mish, play the ball. <laughs> and T thought I was just trying to waste time. And she's going, not, not now, Mish. Not now, Mish. And I look at both of them. And then I look at our trainer, Dave, on the side. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm not okay. But very, you know, pretty stoic, like no sign of anything. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I, 
I'm not okay. And then I just, you know, throw the ball out um, and sit down. So then all the girls come over and they're like, what's wrong? Is it pain? I'm like, no, no pain. And they're like, oh, okay. Like cramp. <laughs> no. And I was like, I think I heard a pop. And they were like, no, no, there's no way. Like, that's not you. And then, yeah. And then I just remember at one point, Dave was having me, you know, feeling around and had me push against his hand and his face just went a little white. Ooh. And I have no idea. And I, I think at this point, the doctor had come out and I have no idea what made me think this. Like I said, I had no prior knowledge about anything with Achilles, but I look at him and I'm like, did I just rupture my Achilles? Um, and his, he just stares at me. And the doctor just looks at me. And so then I look over to the sideline again and look at Lydia and I'm telling her to warm up. You know, I'm like, okay, I need you to warm up. And then uh, Megan Oyster is like, Mish, like we've made three subs, like Morgan Andrews is going in goal. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Dresner, I need you to tape it. And he, <laughs> he was like, no, Michelle, you have to come up with it. And I was like, no, I just need you to tape it. Like, just make it stable. Like Morgan can't go in goal. And then they were like, we have to get you off the field. Like you are not staying on the field. And that's when I was just like, I, I can't understand what's going on. Um, yeah. And then I remember like trying to come up with like, okay, like how do I prepare Morgan to play, you know, like to play a position I've worked like 20 plus years to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just remember being like, you got this <laughs> and then just walking off. Um, so yeah. And then watching, you know, they were trying to examine me off the field and I was like, no, like whatever happened in five minutes is still going to be there. Like I need, like we're up by one goal and our teammate that's a field players in the goal like I'm gonna need a second and mm -hmm. so like just watching and being so impressed with Morgan actually like so impressed um yeah so watching all that being so relieved when the final whistle blew and we won and then uh, everything kind of came crashing down you know and uh Dr. Dresner like said that I had ruptured my Achilles and all of a sudden honestly I was sitting next Rocky came over and we both just started bawling mm. and he, yeah it was just a really crazy moment because it just you know for a little while I was able to put it off and not really understand what was going on and it was in that moment when he said it after the game had finished that I could process like oh okay mm. yeah your example of you wanting to help Morgan Andrews in any way possible um is something we heard uh, you know, Casey Murphy comes onto the team and immediately has to step into a starting role after you go down injured. And the the first thing Jacob and I heard that week was just how invaluable you were to to supporting her. Um, was that was that is that just who you are? I mean, it sounds like it's just who you are. You know, you no longer can can be the starter. So as quick as possible, I'm going to help my teammate in whatever way I can. Oh, I mean, that was nice of her to say. And, you know, I think Casey's done great and she's stepped in and she's a great goalkeeper, whether, you know, I helped her or not. But um, I just very, very much take my responsibility to this team. Like I take it very seriously, you know, and I think as a core group, we individually understand that our job is to help this team win, whatever that looks like. Um, and so, of course, I would like for it to be, you know, me healthy standing in the goal. And that's how I help my team win. But that just wasn't the scenario, you know, so it's like, okay, what's next? Like, how do I help now? How can I, you know, continue to help this team? Um, 
in any way possible. And yeah, I mean, coming into this league is just, it's, it's a pretty big adjustment. It's, I think, different than any other league in the world. And, you know, coming up against a team like North Carolina, you know, I just wanted to help her be prepared. And I honestly believe that anyone else in our locker room would have done the same thing. So I don't think it's anything too special. That's something that I uh, heard a lot from the players that I talked to yesterday at training and also with Vlaco. And um, some of them outright said the word or pretty much alluded to it. But like the theme that I got was just uh, family in terms of like how uh, the culture is on and off the field. And Vlaco said that uh, it's, it's set up by the veterans like you yourself, Lauren Barnes, Bevias, and so forth in terms of just making that all, all, all of the new faces that have come into the team this season, and as you know, there's been a lot of them, but they all have all come in and got and settled in basically as if they've been there since January, February. Um, what does it mean to you when you hear that from a lot of these fresh faces that are, you know, new to the league or in, in general? I mean, that's awesome, you know, and it's funny because when Blacko came in last year, he talked about wanting to make this a family environment. You know, we treated people like family. We cared about people like family. Like that's what we were. But even he admitted at that point, you know, it's one thing to come in and say, okay, we're a family. And then there's another way, another thing to live that and, you know, earn that almost, you know? And I think if you look at the two years that, you know, Lou and Bev have been here forever and, you know, I've had relationships with them for a long time, but, you know, if you look at the, time period of Vlaco being here, like the things we've gone through as a group are the kind of things that either break a team or make a team, I think, you know, and I mean, we've had big injuries, we've had season ending injuries, we've had, you know, death in the family, you know, we've had just so many adversities thrown at us um, that I think that they made us stronger and better and closer, you know, when you go through those things together and you go through them leaning on each other and that kind of thing. Like that's always going to develop that true sense of care and respect and love. Um, and I do think just our group has that. And I'm really glad that the people that come in feel that. And, you know, they've done a great job of fitting right into that and, you know, playing their role in that and respecting that culture. And, you know, that's something we really value. And I know even before Vlaco looks to bring someone in, he thinks about them as a person and not just a player. Has it gotten it to the point though, where, uh, you guys are issuing out those hello, my name is stickers just to keep uh, track of all the faces that are coming in at training. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Honestly, I've played this game for a long time and I've never seen anything like it, you know, just in terms of the amount of injuries and the amount of new players and, you know, between the World Cup and things like that. But uh, soccer is such a small world that I don't think there's been anyone that's come in our locker room that like doesn't know at least a couple people, whether they've played together before, whether they've played overseas, whether they went to college together, you know, so like we all kind of know each other. And if you don't know them personally, you know, somebody that knows them. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, there's been a lot of numbers and a lot of new faces. And I think, especially for the world cup girls coming back now, kind of seeing all of that, that's an adjustment. Um, and there's always going to be growing pains with that kind of thing. But I also think we've done a very, very good job. And even some of the girls who have only been here a couple weeks or a month or so, you know, feel like they've been here for a lot longer. And I think that's important. Yeah, you mentioned um, that you are indeed not the only one who is on a lot who has a long term injury this season. I think we I think we counted in there six on the team with season ending injuries. Yeah. Um, 
have you all branded yourself yet as a collective? <laughs> no, I don't think it's a group any of us want to be a part of. <laughs> but I do think like in a lot of ways, we are grateful to have, you know, good company at least. You know, I would never wish this upon anyone, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little extra motivated that me, Jess, Jazz, Taylor, JC, like we're coming back, you know, yeah. we're together, you know, we're in this together and we're all in different phases and things like that. But, you know, I've, I obviously, like I said, I've been investing in a lot of different ways to improve. And one of them is visualization and, you know, creating things that I want. And I would say almost every day I have a vision of 2020 and all of us like celebrating that 2020 championship being like, look what we just did, you know, and understanding that we're in this journey together and that we're going to come back together. And I'm just so excited for that, you know, and along the way it gets hard, you know, it gets hard being on the sideline or having bumps in the road in your recovery. And I think like we've been able to really support each other in a way that maybe if you're not in the same place, you can't necessarily do. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of new faces, but you also have some new digs at Cheney stadium and we, we saw a preview that you all have a, a kind of a new cool player lounge that, that you just got access to. Have you had a chance to check that out yet? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, they've done such a good job. Like, I feel like it's been an interesting process because obviously all of this happened so fast. So we've seen almost, you know, they had a lot ready for us when we got here, but we've also seen like step-by-step step the evolving of everything so to come back off this week break and come in and see the gym and the players lounge kind of those finishing touches it was pretty awesome so yeah it's really cool and they've just done a really good job of maximizing everything we have there and how excited are you for the 7,000 plus that are going to be there this weekend I'm so excited uh, I've been really really happy seeing the games across the league you know Chicago sold out last week at 17,000 and Sky Blue even sold out today. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a really cool thing. Um, I take a lot of pride in being a part of this league pretty early on. Um, and, you know, we've been through some growing pains and we're still going through them. But things like this, mo monumental moments like this, it's pretty special, I think, when you've seen it from the beginning. Um, and it's funny because I think some of the newer faces, they think this is amazing, but I don't think they realize yet, even just little things like, how far this league has come. You know, yeah. it's, it's easy to look at how far we still have to go, but I do think it's important to take those little moments and really appreciate where we are now. And I think Sunday is going to be one of those moments. And speaking of Sunday, so we know there's going to be at least 7,000 people coming out to Cheney Stadium. And for a good deal of them, it's going to be their first time ever coming out to a Reign FC match. Um, what would you have to say to the people that are coming for the first time ever, just in terms of what can they look forward to, not only just within that game, but then, you know, just the overall um, style of the team? I mean, I would just say that I think you're going to really be surprised how much you enjoy it. Um, I think there's going to be a high level of soccer out there. Um, you know, some of the best players in the world just coming off the World Cup are going to be there. But also, I think our team is just – a group you want to root for. You know, we have the stars and the big names, but we have the underdogs. We have the hard workers. We, you know, have the Lou Barnes of the world who just like are so underrated and underappreciated. But like, mm -hmm. I just think like we are a team that give us a chance, watch us play. And I think that you will feel the energy and love we have for the game. And I think that's pretty contagious. 
Well said. And I know you just talked a little bit about um, how, how much you've seen like clubs grow since the league started in 2013. I think one thing, one narrative that I've really enjoyed people reflecting on coming out of this World Cup is just how much they feel like the women's game has been elevated across the board in the last decade. How do you feel, how do you feel like on the field, the, the league here in the United States has evolved since you, you began in 2013? Oh yeah. I mean, I think the game has, the women's game has grown so much. Um, I think in our league, I mean, I just think the level is so high, you know, arguably the best in the world. And I think that if you look from league from year one to now, um, there's just so much more talent in the league. Um, I think that, you know, the reason people keep talking about expansion is because across the board, you have people who are the 12th, 13th, 14th man some days that would, should be a starter in this league Mm -hmm. because just that much talent, you know? Um, So I think that that's one of the biggest differences. You know, I think there's of course talent that first year, but not the depth of talent across the board um, that there is now. And I just, yeah, the game's evolved. And I think you see more foreigners wanting to come play in this league, like coming over here. I mean, Amandine Henri from France was talking, I played with her in Portland, but she was talking at this World Cup about how she came to America because she wanted to learn how to win, you know, because we have that American mentality, that aggressiveness, that athleticism, but now I think you're seeing more of a sophistication in the way we play. Um, And that, you know, that is because we brought some foreigners in and because I think the game here has just grown. So, yeah, I think it's come a long way. Do you think – the quality of the league or in terms of like the gap that the quality of the NWCL has compared to other leagues around the world, you think that gap is shrinking a little bit and that's something that uh, sooner than later the league needs to address in terms of improving the quality of play, the standard of, of officiating, making um, obviously salaries a lot uh, higher, more attractive for players to stay here versus going abroad. You think that gap is shrinking just a little bit or it's still pretty wide even though we're now seeing after this World Cup, you know, leagues in other countries are starting to actually invest more in their own uh, domestic leagues. Yeah, I think it's awesome that teams are starting to do that because I think I think it was actually Jess that tweeted out, like, you look at the teams that were in the quarterfinals and the semifinals, those are the teams that have invested the most in their domestic leagues. Mm-hmm. So I think that says a lot. Um, I do think that the two – personally think the two biggest ways that the NWSL is going to need – uh, to make large improvements is in the salary and in overall players' rights. Um, I would say that if you look at some of the bigger leagues in Europe, they are able to consistently pay more than um, your average NWSL salary. And I think eventually, you know, people will choose that, whether it's lifestyle or whatever the case. So I yeah. think that that's one gap that I think will need to improve and I also think just players rights because a big thing I've heard with Europeans who have thought about coming over here really enjoy the level of the league and the like the competitiveness of it they're hesitant because all the contracts in the NWSL or most of them are semi-guaranteed and you know once a team has your rights it's almost impossible to get your rights back without you know, being a tr- being traded or going overseas to then get your rights back. And even mm-hmm. then there's a little issue. So I think, you know, when you go overseas, 
you see people signing for two, three years and really finding a home in a place. And there's just not that security in this league. And I think that that deters some people from coming. So I would say players' rights and salaries are the, the biggest gaps I think will need to be filled to continue to uh, go in the direction we're going. Do you, um, do you feel like, um, you know, the, the U.S. women's national team has obviously changed the dialogue quite a lot with their last, with this last World Cup win, where I felt like four years ago, the question was, why do you deserve equal pay? And, and now it seems like a lot of the more public narrative is, how can we help you? Do, do you get the sense that NWSL players are really trying to take advantage of that moment and leverage it for these kind of broader negotiations with the league? I think so. I think it's hard because I think that that world, I think what the girls have done, the U.S. national team has done is incredible. Um, and knowing them individually and personally, I'm just genuinely so proud of them. And to see the impact they've had has been really, really special. Um, I think that next step to carry over to the league, I do think that the biggest thing it's done is just raise a little awareness. You know, people are now looking, they think it's insane what's happening to the women at that level. And then they start thinking like, what's happening at the league level, you know? And I think that that's something that I've found that even when people know about women's professional soccer, they have no idea about the pay discrepancy uh, between us and the MLS, you know, and it's, it's a pretty different entity. Um, yeah, than the women's national team. But at the same time, I just think that th what they've done has more eyes on women's soccer and women's rights than ever before. So I can only assume that we will benefit from that. Do you think, Jacob, that it's time for some fun questions? <laughs> yes. Cool. Okay. Um, so... Michelle, last year when we had you on the podcast, uh, Jasmine Spencer was also uh, in on the recording uh, with you. And she told us about how she institutes a family night. Is that still going on uh, this year? Uh, it was. We were watching, God, I forgot what show it was. So Yah's gone, um, but we still have like family chats, uh, mm -hmm. Texas chats and stuff. And actually when I was just back in New York, we met up, but she um she yeah she always had a night where we had to watch some show i actually don't even remember what it was and then actually lou and steph catley got roped into that <laughs> um so we did that for a bit um but now that she's been gone honestly family night has been paused for a little bit but she'll be back um i think the end of this month so i'm sure she'll have some shows for us to catch up on how is she doing with her uh recovery from her acl she's doing well um I think the thing for Jazz um, is that she is such an incredible athlete and always has been that I think that this has been a little bit of a humbling process. You know, I mean, if you look at her, she's just like chiseled from head to toe. So I think mm. her quad to not be that strong right now, similar to my calf, you know, it's a little humbling, uh, but she's doing really well. Um, she's really determined. She's focused. And I just think that she's someone that when she decides she's going to do something, she finds a way to do it. And I think this rehab process will be no different. Gotcha. Well, we on family night though, <laughs> I, I asked uh, what I thought was a naive question, but you, you backed me up last year, which was, is Jersey Shore still on TV? 
You are no longer watching Jersey Shore, correct? No, no, we've graduated. The last okay. show we watched was better. Oh, it was called The Village. It was actually a decent show. It was just like, you know, it was very regimented and I just don't watch that much TV. But also we were super into World of Dance, um, <laughs> which I love because like, I think what they do is like so far from what I am capable of doing. Jazz like grew up dancing and is actually a really good dancer. So she watches the stuff. I watch it. I tell her like what I think. And then I ask her if I'm right, because I just have like zero idea about dance or like I'm the worst dancer. Yeah. And I used to try to take lessons from jazz and it was purely <laughs> entertainment for jazz. Uh, but yeah, so the shows have definitely grown. Maybe that's just like a sign of her maturity. But <laughs> imagine Jersey Shore is still on. I have no idea. <laughs> Speaking of y'all, Ava Bush, uh, we actually did get a question from her when we put out on Twitter yesterday that we were going to be recording with you this week. Her question was, how many emails do you currently have in your inbox? She's crazy. Um, she, so Yana and I are actually so much alike. Um, and I think that this just blows her mind because she's just very like, if she gets an email, she reads it right away, it's gone. So... Uh. Long story short, something happened with my Gmail for a brief amount of time that I, every time I would delete emails, they wouldn't delete. Like it just would still show up. Fast forward a couple weeks later, I had like 4,000 emails or something. <laughs> and now I just like have seized to delete emails pretty much. And literally my mailbox says 43,000 emails. Wow. Um, and I just don't care. Like it doesn't bother me. And I just to bother her, I will take screenshots of it and send them to her. And she'll just be like, I didn't sleep last night because of your text. <laughs> All she wants to do is go through my emails and delete them. And I'm just like, it doesn't bother me. Like, I don't even think about it. And she was like, I think about it all the time. <laughs> you do just you want other people to get on board. So maybe I'll eventually delete them. Do you suspect y'all is just sending you just random or blank emails just to pad uh, <laughs> that uh, number? No, she... It drives her crazy. Like, I think if she could, if I was like, yeah, I'll let you delete my email, she would probably fly out here tomorrow. So she could. <laughs> Challenge proposed. Yeah. yeah, she can prove it. If she flies out here tomorrow, she can delete my emails. <laughs> All right. Here's, here's another fun question for you. Um, we've asked other people this, so um, we can compare answers. This is one of the greatest debates of our modern times. Where do you stand on this debate? Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Oh, that sounds disgusting to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like a sweet, unsavory kind of person, so no thank you. You didn't have as visceral of a reaction as J.C. Johnson on that question, <laughs> JC but... Method. <laughs> yeah it probably doesn't surprise you yeah not at all yeah she was straight up yelling <laughs> yeah that sounds about right she's my neighbor and i would hear her cackle like probably twice a day <laughs> <laughs> um if a movie was going to be made about your life and career michelle who would you want to play you um i'm gonna say sandra bullock and if you want to know why you can ask sam lady because it's his favorite joke Oh, I can't wait to ask. Susie, I think we have an assignment on Sunday. Yeah, we do. <laughs> never never mind recapping the game. We're just going to go find Sam. Yeah, he loves this. 
All right. <laughs> explore Harvey too, actually. <laughs> okay. All right, Michelle, it's Matchy Day, and you're in charge of the team playlist to get everyone hyped up. What are three songs that you put on that playlist? Oh, I would never be in charge. My <laughs> is so bad. Um, I honestly, I don't, I would literally just ask the kids, like, what they're listening to these days and put that on, or put, like, a Spotify, like, today's top hits, because I genuinely, like, what would pump me up would pump nobody else in the world up. <laughs> Does that uh, mean, like, classical music, or? <laughs> no, I, like, very much, like, listen to music based on my state, and, like, a lot of times, you know, I'm, like, so hyped for game day that I have to, like, reel it in a little bit, and I'll listen to, like, uh, like, Toby Keith or, like, Rascal Flatts, like, country song, mm. like, going on a dirt road kind of thing, and I think people would hate that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Darian's usually in charge of the playlist, Lydia has a really good playlist, uh yeah that's just not uh, I, I can't even give an answer when we talked with uh darian about um just to have her on the podcast she talked about how she was basically going to assert herself to be in charge of the playlist and uh just like how she pretty much decided she's in charge of a rain fc book club she's she is assertive yeah she's good at that though because she's good at taking control when nobody really wants to you know we'll all just listen to music and be like oh this playlist stinks but do nothing about it and then the next day darren will probably alphabetically like have listed all the best music and then yeah she's taken over book club she took over rain social media for a bit i mean she's just so funny because she had been here for like a week and bill predmore is giving us you know a presentation and a meeting and you know we have a ton of respect for Bill and we just like to listen to what he's saying. And then at the end, he's like, any questions? And Darian's like, who runs the social media? And we were like, what? And like, she just wanted to make sure that was going to be taken care of. And like, but she was dead on. Like everybody else was thinking about it too, but like she's assertive and we'll take care of it. So that sounds about right. Are you, you part of the book club? Uh, so I'm part of the book club in that I read all the books um, but I don't always necessarily show up to the meetings. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's where I'm at. But we just, they just picked a next book and we're going to read the book and go to a movie and I, I'm going to commit to it. I'm just like, once it gets past like 7.30, Allie Long calls me Nana because I'm like getting ready, like drinking bedtime tea and getting ready for bed. <laughs> um, this isn't really a silly question, but maybe one of the last questions before our final, final one. Do you have a favorite? Um, World Cup moment from this World Cup? Oh, I'm going to say uh, P's second PK um, in the Netherlands game just because, yeah, like she's just a badass, you know, and she just stepped up and I was just like, there, I don't believe there are a lot of people who could step up and take their second PK like that and make it in that moment like who she was in this tournament just had us so proud so yeah i'm gonna say that i enjoyed a listener's pk save too but I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah i feel like that we need to do some sort of um game with pino where we try to give her more and more and more pressure and see if she has a breaking point because i'm not sure that she does yeah, I mean, if you, <laughs> I feel like that's what this World Cup might have been. Yeah. Uh, she passed. So, yeah. yeah, I'd like to see the day that, oh, I don't actually want to see the day that, <laughs> but I would be curious to know what it would take. Yeah, Susie, I might have to uh, 
go against you on that idea because I don't want to be in the vicinity where somebody like <laughs> Megan Rapino get, uh, reaches her breaking point. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, for sure. So last question. We've already talked about uh, a little bit about Sunday's match and how big it is in terms of um, the record setting, atten- uh, the new record for a single home match is going to be set, all that stuff. But most importantly, what do you think uh, Rain FC need to do to get the result against the Chicago Red Stars? I think that we just need to play our game. Um, I think that if you look at the game against North Carolina, which was our last game, I thought we really struggled and I thought we looked like we were just trying to prevent them from playing theirs and kind of playing a little scared. Um, I think that we just need to go into Chicago with our chests puffed out and play our game. I mean, I have a hard time believing anyone is more prepared for every game than we are. Um, in terms of tactically, technically, everything like that. I just think Flacco and the staff just do such a good job. Um, so we have a game plan in mind. You know, we've gone over and over it. And I just think that we just need to let our personalities and style shine. And I think that on any day, our team should win. All right. I well, think we need to stop Sam Kerr. But yeah. <laughs> it's a good strategy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Chicago's a great team. So I think it's actually going to be such a fun game to watch, but I, I think we'll win. All right. Well, Michelle, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Anytime. Yeah, thanks so much. Of course. Thank you guys. So we're back. Hopefully you enjoyed that chat uh, we had with Michelle Betos. Susie, what, you, what were your takeaways from our latest chat with Michelle Betos? I just think um, that she is so committed to her craft and I would never bet against Michelle Betos ever in any situation just because she's so, she just like locked in into what, what she wants to accomplish. And I, I, yeah, I, I don't doubt her when she says she's going to be back and going to be even better than she was. Were you surprised at all when she said that she's actually a month ahead of her, uh, timetable when it comes to her uh, recovery well it's funny because one of my co-rec soccer teammates he did the exact same thing he, he ruptured his achilles and had the exact same reaction as her he turned around he was flat on the ground we thought he tripped mm-hmm. he was flat on the ground and s- turned around and said who kicked me and so i was just like having that flashback but it took him a, a long time to recover um and so you never, you, you just never know. Everyone's body's different. Uh, but I just kind of had him in my mind when I, when the news first came up. Um, but so yes, it surprised me. But, and, but then thinking about, oh, it's Beto's. Of course she's ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just one of those things where we really, you know, we obviously are just mere mortal human beings, but we just don't know what it's going to be like for a professional athlete to come back from a, a ruptured Achilles injury the most common thing that I came across when, you know, when we had to write that unfortunate news about, you know, she's out for the year was that it most commonly affects bas- uh, professional basketball players. And for a lot of them, it's career altering, if not career sh- shortening. Yeah. When it comes to soccer, it's just something you don't really hear about all too much. I mean, the more, uh, more widely known uh, situation was David Beckham, tore his Achilles and he was still able to play a couple more years in MLS before 
retiring. So it's just going to be a, a big question mark as to what's going to, what's Michelle Beto's in 2020 is going to be like. Obviously, it sounds like, you know, when we're talking with her, she's game as hell, ready to get back out there. And, you know, I'm sure it still gets that itch like, I should, I should be out there right now helping the team. But, you know, she has to, it's still a lot of work for her. But it's, it was amazing uh, how she's able to just recount that exact moment when it happened. And like you said, she thought that somebody had kicked her or she was, ball girl. Yeah, she was ready to yell bottom. at a ball girl. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, uh, it was just really interesting and fascinating to just hear her talk about that moment, what was going on through her head. And then when, you know, she was just telling her teammates, hey, something's wrong with me, but I can't figure out what it is. Then, you know, when the trainer and the doctor come and they know what it is, all that stuff is just really fascinating. Uh, and then she was, you know, we asked her about one of the more interesting drills that she was doing, even though she can't really stand on both of her feet, but she can still work out her reflexes and her eyesight and everything. The, the drill that she has with the tennis balls and a rebound uh, board while wearing an eye patch. <laughs> That I was blown away by. I was like, I don't, I would get hit in the face every time. Yeah. Cause there's like three, just like she bounces two tennis balls, throws a soccer ball. So it comes right back at her and she catches all three at the same time with one eye. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, never bet against Betos. Pretty much never bet against Betos. <laughs> and yeah, it's, um, it's really, it's just really cool just to hear that, you know, she's more than game to get back on here on the field as soon as she can yeah yeah and just what a fantastic teammate I just think it as she as she reflected on too just like how Vlatko and Bill Prenmore have really shaped whoever they bring in it has to be a team first mentality and you just see that with all of these players who are just like you know what wasn't my year I got injured but let's go rain I'm gonna do whatever I can to support my teammates and um as she said, with so much adversity that they've faced this year in terms of injuries, this could really break a team, and they are not choosing to let that happen. Yeah, and so so we are we're past the halfway mark in the season, and yeah, you and I have talked about it along with our other colleagues. It's just that all these injuries, it should have uh, really just just said, you know what, screw this season. Where you know. We'll just wait for everyone to heal and we'll focus on 2020. But they're in a, you know, as of entering tonight, they're, they were in a playoff spot. Yeah. They're and, not using yeah. any of the injuries as excuses or asking for sympathy from it. It's just like, okay, this player's hurt. This player's hurt. What are we going to do? They've been really aggressive, but also smart in bringing all these players from pretty much everywhere in the world to play right now but then we're seeing that some of them are making a strong case to be like hey I should be a part of this team in 2020. Yeah and I think as you were reflecting to me privately when we were chatting in this last week um, we've actually only had one other example of it this this year but the last time the rain sort of had a tough loss which was on the road against Chicago they rebounded in an incredible fashion mm -hmm. and had a eight game unbeaten streak or something very high yeah. and then um they had a bye week last week but the week before did not play their game in north carolina and got beat pretty 
significantly and rightfully the the other team won but it just feels like this is the kind of team that's just like that sucked move on we're gonna have an incredible performance the next time so we'll see what happens this Sunday but it's that kind of mentality of being able to bounce back from something like that yeah and there was case excuse me there was evidence of it last season as well because they conceded four goals to North Carolina at home but then after that they go on a run of either drawing or winning matches until I think like maybe late July they lose at Chicago Red Stars. So we've seen that when Vlatko's team gets beat, they respond uh, not only for that following game, but then the next couple of games. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I mean, we're not saying that we're going to guarantee a win on Sunday. We, and we probably have just jinxed the team. <laughs> Apologies in advance. But it's it's one of those things where when this team loses, they pick themselves up, they correct whatever their mistakes were, and then keep uh, go off on a little bit of a, a nice streak on a, on a positive side of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very resilient team. So we know what's happening on Sunday. Finally, Rain FC get a home match, the first one in about a month and a half. Oh gosh, I know. I know, and we've all we've like said it so many times over on social media. Like it's going to be a, a big one. It's going to be a monumental match because they're going to set a new single game home attendance record. Um, just the excitement over the United States repeating as World Cup champions has poured over uh, immensely to NWSL. We you know we've saw people tweeting, "Hey, I'm getting tickets for this game," but then it also seems like we're seeing that interest for the games afterwards because yeah. you can look at the Ticketmaster uh, listings for the remaining Rain FC home matches and they have seven home matches left. Four of them are pretty much trending in the direction of the going to be sold out. If you look at the simple seating chart of like what sections are available, if a section isn't, an, isn't available on Ticketmaster, it's just grayed out. There yeah. are far more grays than there are shades of blue in terms of like, oh, this section has seats available. And, and think, listen, folks, let me just say, if you haven't gotten in yet, you're going to totally miss out because this is going to be a super fun end of the second half of the season. Yeah, especially with um, the, during the rain FC's bye week, some teams that were kind of, in the direction of being at the middle of the table, but then kind of dropping towards the bottom half of the league table, picked up some wins where it's basically now, there's like a seven point difference between Clint, you know, being in the neighborhood of one of the, of top four. So there's, there really is no room for error yeah. for any team in the second half of the season. That's that wants to be in the playoffs. Fun stuff. Fun stuff indeed. <laughs> so let's look at the, rest of the league schedule for this week. Saturday, you have Utah Royals hosting North Carolina Courage. Oh gosh, that's going to be a fun one. Um, Utah got the better of the Courage once or twice last season. I, I think it was twice. I think it was twice. Um, and I think it's going to be a draw. But I could see Utah. They They're just ridiculously stingy on defense yeah they're going into that match 
leading the league in terms of uh, goals allowed with 10. Rain FC right behind them with 11. Despite giving up two goals last week, which was probably like, they were like, two goals, we gave up two goals. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'll be, that, that'll be a fun one to watch. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a draw as well. Because I think obviously Utah needs it more just to keep them keep themselves alive in terms uh-huh. of a, of being in the mix for a playoff spot. Uh, obviously, you know they would like they prefer to have a victory, but you know it's really hard to bet against the champs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, and uh, best thing of all, that match is going to be on ESPN News. Great. We yes. Yeah, we haven't talked about the. The new TV deal. deal. Yeah, lots yeah. of positives coming out of um, the World Cup. Yeah. Obviously, it's not the ideal TV package that we would have. No, but it, hopefully, this sets the ground for like a long a term deal, which is sort of what we've been getting teased around. Yeah. I mean, the, the, la- the language around the uh, press release about it is that, well, you know, every, both sides are hopeful that this is the starting block for something bigger, more robust in 2020. Yeah. And obviously, being that it is ESPN, everybody's thinking, oh, does that mean, you know, you would have your showcase game of the weeks on the ESPN over-the-air networks, you know, ESPN regular, ESPN2, but then everything else would be on ESPN+, Plus, kind of like how it is with MLS and uh, USL games. And, you know, who'd complain about that? <laughs> I know. So tune in as much as you can to these ESPN games to show them that it's it's a high demand yeah. thing to watch. So yeah, numbers numbers are powerful. Yeah, it's that's I think one of the biggest things from this like yes, there's only gonna be like now maybe twelve remaining uh NWSL games, including the two semifinals and the championship game. But tune into those remaining matches because it's all about the numbers. If they are being uh, watched, that's the proof that this is something that ESPN should invest more in terms of having more games of the week, in terms of having all the other uh, non-game of the week matches on ESPN Plus to then you know, necessitate the need to in- increase production values so we can have better quality presentation on all matches. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for the people who are just new to tuning in the league, um, giving them that kind of same experience they had when they were watching the World Cup will be is really is really helpful, um, rather than commentators that that may be difficult to listen to, streams that are a little hard to watch and find. Anything yeah. anything we can do to make it so easy for these all these great new fans, I think, um, will be super valuable. Yep. So, is there anything else you would like to say, Susie, before we wrap up this episode? Oh, man. I just am so excited about the 7,000 plus that are coming on Sunday. And I just hope everyone is really energized by by the game. And I just think I'm so glad they're playing Chicago because it's just it's it's always a tight matchup between these two sides. And what better team to go up against to give new fans a show so i'm just everyone should be so hyped for this weekend yep i agree what about you 
Um, well, let's see. Today, you and I both dropped uh, some articles on Sound at Heart where my piece was just basically a recap of the first half of the season and just asking players and head coach Vlatko Andonovsky just for their overall thoughts on the state of the team up to this point of the season. And then uh, your piece, which is basically a breakdown of who exactly has suited up for Reina C this season because there's been a lot of players. Yeah, who am I expecting to see on the field this weekend? That yeah. kind of with lots of new names. So yeah, and hopefully we think those two pieces together would be like a fantastic primer for not just uh, the brand new fans that are going to be coming down on to Sunday's match possibly for the first time ever, but also for longtime fans that might just need a refresher. Like, where are we? who are all these people that are just being announced being picked up day after day and yeah i just we feel like uh we're pretty confident those two pieces are going to be like a nice primer to get everybody prepared for not only sunday but for the rest of the season yep yep so that'll do good that'll do it for this episode of coffee and valkyries again we want to say thank you to goalkeeper michelle betos for taking the time to chat with us yeah shout out to betos and um all the folks have jumped on our podcast in the last few months. Yep. And we'll be keep on working to try and get more players on the podcast and do more fun things with them and hopefully get more passionate stances on pineapple and pizza. <laughs> the most difficult question we've asked in yeah. our history. I mean, I, I, I wonder if we can find somebody that can set a new bar in terms of a surpassing jc johnson's uh i'm not sure emotional response <laughs> but i'd love to get someone emotionally as emotionally into that on the pro side yeah that, that would just like give us an impassioned speech about why it's so great yeah there's got there's got to be someone that can speak to the value and the power of pineapple on pizza <laughs> it can't just be us <laughs> Anyways, uh, to everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for reading our content. And we'll be back soon. Thank you, everybody.